Good morning. It's good to see you all, gentlemen. Grateful to be back. Just wanted to say that um, we had a, an event last Sunday. Sunday was the Super Bowl, and uh, Ben, congratulations, I guess, to you and your Patriots. Um, but uh, the Super Bowl, I, I almost I was texting with some friends and almost wanted to rename it something. We wanted to first rename it the Punt Bowl because of how many times both teams punted. But then I looked at the logo and I realized, actually, this should have been called the Lame Bowl. Because there's the L, it's lame, and it was lame times one, two, three, because the game was lame, the commercials were lame, and the halftime show was lame. <clears throat> and nevertheless, Patriots fans are excited. Oh, uh, yeah, no, 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 Lane Stadium, yeah, yeah not lame, but <clears throat> are you saying that Lane Stadium is a lame place, Billy? Well, all right. <clears throat> I'm going gonna, gonna to refrain from comments about Blacksburg, um, which is better for my sanctification. But, um, but here we are, and as I like to say, as I've learned to say around here, sports really don't matter, but they sure are fun to talk about. The other phrase that you need to adopt is, again, anyone but Duke. And if you learn... <laughs> if we learn nothing else together from our time together, then... That would be the most important lesson. Um, but hopefully, while sports don't matter, but they are fun to talk about, hopefully what's also fun to talk about is the truth of God and the Word of God. And so that's where we uh, find ourselves today in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And this is what we will be studying uh, along with 2 Thessalonians for the remainder of our spring. And uh, as we said last week, 1 Thessalonians is our call to wait well for Christ's return. Because this is a book that the Apostle Paul writes to a group of Christians in the early church who were confused about why it was taking longer than expected for Christ to return. And that is a perspective that we also share as we wait here in the 21st century, just as they did in the 1st century, wondering when will he return and how shall we wait? Because we said last week, we are all waiting for something. What are you waiting for? But more importantly... God wants us to ask and answer the question, how are you waiting for it? Uh, faithfulness is what we should pursue as we wait for the return of Christ. And uh, some friends sent an article yesterday that I was encouraged by, and, and I'm not just saying this because it has to do with a Virginia, University of Virginia basketball player, but when they sent this article, it was in the Daily uh, Progress, it was actually a really... Um, really good article written about this player for UVA whose name is Jay Huff. He's from Durham and thought about going to Duke, but he, he went to UVA because he was drawn to coach Tony Bennett's Christian principles as a coach. And the article, as you can see right here, it says, Higher Calling. Jay Huff's faith has been tested and validated at Virginia. And I was encouraged by that title and the article itself talked about how he was... Uh, he, talented player, but did not receive a lot of playing time. He was redshirted his first year and didn't receive a lot of playing time his second year. And, but yet, for him, he knows that that's not what is most important. In fact, he sees his ability to play on the basketball court as a continued platform for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so one of the paragraphs talked about how away from the crowds, cameras, and fans, clamoring for him to receive more playing time, he remembers his purpose. 
And one of the members of his small group in the Chi Alpha Christian organization chapter at the University of Virginia, one of his uh, small group friends said, this is his purpose. He wants to honor God. And as I saw that yesterday, that article that my friend sent, I, I thought that is what we are to be about. And that is what we should learn as we study the book of First Thessalonians. That is how we wait well. So just as a matter of brief review, I got some feedback last week. Someone said, I actually want to see the map again. And guys, I was so excited because I thought that must mean that the map was a little bit helpful. And um, as we can remember from last week, uh, this is um, the first, book of 1 Thessalonians was written by Paul when he was on his second missionary journey. It was written about the year A.D. 51. And what Paul and his companions, Silas and Timothy, had done is they had gone from over here in Asia Minor, across here to Macedonia. They got a special call from God, come to Macedonia and help us, as was told to us in Acts chapter 16. And then at the beginning of Acts chapter 17, we read about what happened when they got to Thessalonica, which is located right up here in the Aegean Sea. So they went along this yellow road called the Via Ignacia, and they made their way from Philippi, and then eventually over here to Thessalonica. And when they got there, if you remember last week, the, the account was that the city was concerned, the Jews were jealous, the Jews were worried, because according to them, these men who have turned the world upside down have now come here. And it was remarkable to think that if the church is doing what the church is supposed to do, and if we as Christians are doing what we are supposed to do, and through the power and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are turning the world upside down. We'll see as we read continually throughout this letter that Paul and his companions had such a sincere love for this group of early Christians. Again, the gospel message of Jesus, Christ crucified and raised for our sins and our salvation and our eternal life, that was a foreign message when it was first presented to this church. And as a result, these believers, these early believers, were still trying to figure many things out. They still had a lot of questions. And when Paul left Thessalonica, he eventually made his way, he went to Athens, and then he eventually made his way down to Corinth, down here in Achaia, which is the region south of Macedonia. And when he heard the report that the Thessalonians were, were doing okay amidst some of their persecution, but still had questions, he wrote this letter. Because he loved them. And as we look at our second section today, which will be verses uh, 2 through 10 of chapter 1, I'm presenting the idea that waiting well has three time frames, past, present, and future. Waiting well, past, present, and future. So let's dig into the scripture itself. It's one thing to talk about the Bible. It's another thing to read the Bible and let the Bible speak for itself. So I'm actually going to read verse 1 because it's a wonderful setting to the letter. And then I'm going to continue on through verse 10 to the end of chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 through 10. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you constantly, mentioning you in our prayers. Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, 
that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we not need say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. This is the word of the Lord. And this is a great and challenging passage. What I'd like to present today is this principle of waiting well, which is the theme and which is the focus of what we are to think about as Christians, even in the 21st century, is that waiting well really does have three time frames, past, present, and future. The waiting well of, in the past is referring to faith in Christ. And by that, I mean, I draw that language right from chapter 1, verse 3. I'll read chapter 1, verse 3 one more time. Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, your labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Waiting well from the component and the time frame of the past has to do with a work produced by faith in him. And what we find in this, guys, is that waiting well really starts with the gospel. The gospel message of Jesus Christ. Because that is the foundation of the faith of the Thessalonians and it is the foundation of our faith as well. There is an endearing description that Paul uses to describe this group of early Christians in verse 4. He refers to them, and when he says brothers, that word actually can mean and does mean brothers and sisters. You'll actually find some translations of the Bible that will say brothers and sisters. Because it wasn't just men. I mean, we are a group, I look around, I see only men in this room. Um, but when the, Paul was writing to the early church and he said brothers, or some translations, brethren, he was referring to brothers and sisters, men and women, boys and girls. And he says that they are loved by God. What a cherished statement that is. In Old Testament times, the only figures that were considered to be beloved by God or loved by God were figures like Moses and Solomon, the great heroes of the Jewish faith. And yet here, Paul, a Jew now looks at this church which is a mix of Jews and Gentiles and refers to them as loved by God, which is powerful. What a special title. And what we find is that their work of faith, which was sourced in the gospel, was the result of their decision to believe what Paul was telling them. And when we get to the gospel itself, we find that they did not just believe in the message of the gospel, they believed in the man of the gospel. The man, Jesus Christ, that he was the Son of God. That he did die on a Roman cross shortly, about 20 years before Paul's writing this. That's hard for us to think about, but just decades after these historical events, they're being shared with the Thessalonians. Jesus died on a cross. He was raised from the dead three days later so that the penalty of sin might fully be paid. His sacrifice would be fully accepted and that we too might have 
the promise of eternal life in his name when we believe. And we find the gospel comes in a very interesting fashion as we read in verse 5. The gospel, Paul writes, came to them not only in word, but it did come in word. It was, it was spoken. Clearly the gospel message needs to be spoken. The truths of scripture need to be proclaimed by our words. But it also came in power. There was a life-transforming power to it because it also came in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, uh, some, some often think of as the forgotten stepchild of the Trinity, which is not true. The Holy Spirit, he was very active, is very active, still is very active in our lives, bringing the truth of the gospel in power, those words applied to our hearts so that we might believe and be transformed. And they also receive it with full conviction. Word, power, the Holy Spirit, full conviction. I think of another verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where the Apostle Paul writes about the gospel. When he says, And my speech and my message, there's the word, my speech and my message, were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit, there's the Spirit, and of power, there's the power, so that your faith, there's the full conviction, might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The gospel was a life-transforming message that was the foundation for their work of faith and their faith in Christ. What this allowed these men to do and these women to do and this early church to do because they were steeped in a culture of idolatry. I would argue that in many ways in America in the 21st century, we are steeped in a culture of idolatry. Uh, but these are not stone and wooden images that we go to a temple and worship. But they are uh, the security that we find in our material resources. They are the identity that we find in our position in the workforce. They are the satisfaction we feel pri- and with pride when things go well in our life and when our children have success. And all of those dynamics that we place on a pedestal and find our identity, our security, or our worship in become idols. But in the first century, it was much more of a tangible reality. And it was a rampant reality in the city of Thessalonica, which was a very strategic and wealthy city. So you had a pantheon of Greek and Roman idol worship. And yet we find amazingly that in verse 9, they turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And that is because the gospel was a life-transforming message that began their work of faith. And that is why waiting well has a past component. Because in your life and in my life, at some point in time, somebody shared with us this truth that Jesus Christ was crucified and raised. And at some point... For most of us, maybe not all of us in this room, maybe you're still getting to that point where you're not quite sure. Is this Jesus that this Bible talks about, that I hear about, is he really real? If that's the case, please consider it more. Consider the claims of what Jesus said. Engage in dialogue about that with people at your table, with people from our church. Because I can promise you, it is real, it is true. And he desires for you to know him. And at some point, for those of us who have trusted him, we have moved from a point of death to life. We have have moved from idols that are dead and not living to faith in the living God, Jesus Christ himself. 
The gospel is a life-transforming reality with life-transforming results in our lives. Which leads to the second time frame of waiting well. Present. If the past is faith in Christ, the present outworking of waiting well is love for Christ. Love for Christ. As Paul says right here, remembering your work of faith and labor of love. This is labor motivated by a love for Jesus Himself. And what we find in this, guys, is that waiting well leads to a distinct life. A life where people recognize that there is something different about us, something unique about who we are and what we claim to be about in life. It's very easy in America, especially now in the 21st century, to simply coast along with what everyone else says, to coast along with the culture, to coast along with society, to simply live like everyone else around us, because it's easy. That's why sports are so easy to talk about. I mean, every guy loves sports. But if you take that turn and say, hey, you know, sports are certainly interesting, but not most important. Have you heard about Jesus? Immediately the brakes get put on. Oh, I'm not so sure. We get uncomfortable. I get uncomfortable. I understand. But the gospel does lead us to a transformed and a distinct life. A life that should be full of joyful obedience even in the midst of difficulty. And what we find is that the Thessalonians turned not only to serve the living and true God, as verse 9 says, but they became people that shared about the living and true God. They actually became, my friend Wes in the back will say, they became a missionary church. Paul even says, this is powerful language, basically he says, throughout all the regions of Macedonia and Achaia, your faith and the sharing of the gospel that you do has gone out to this region so that we... We don't even have to ask. They're telling us that you as a group of church believers in the early first century are sharing about Jesus Christ. In verse 8, I believe it is, Paul writes, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia. This word, sounded forth, is another a word that could be translated reverberated or echoed out. It's like a trumpet blast that they are proclaiming both through their lives and through the words they say about Jesus Christ. And I, I think about my home and I have a fifth grader. And my fifth grader is playing the trumpet. I don't know if any of you can remember uh, if you had children that played an instrument and when they were learning to play that instrument... Volume control is not necessarily one of the skills that comes naturally when the child is first learning the instrument. In fact, they're just so excited that they can make a noise that they like to share that noise with the rest of the household. And uh, the truth is, I actually, I really like it to hear my son play the trumpet loudly. And there are times when I'll say to him, hey buddy, you're supposed to practice for 20 minutes. I was never required to practice my saxophone when I was growing up and going through band. Maybe I was, but I, I, I didn't really do it. True confessions here. Dad, don't tell Mr. Mastriani that I didn't actually practice my saxophone. Um, but my son's supposed to practice about 20 minutes a day, and so I'll say, hey, buddy, I'll get my saxophone, and let's play together, and it encourages him. But there are times when he goes up to his room, and he shuts the door, and I can still hear through the closed door the blasting of this trumpet. Because he's just excited to make the noise. That's exactly what the Thessalonians were excited to do, was to make the noise through their love for Christ, 
to proclaim Christ to the area around them. So waiting well has three time frames. It has a past, which is faith in Christ. It has a present, which is a love for Christ. And then it has a future, which is a hope in Christ. And this gets me really excited as I think about it, because the Thessalonians had an endurance that was fueled by their hope in Jesus Christ. And this shows us that waiting well provides us much-needed encouragement. I don't have to necessarily take a poll, but my guess is that a lot of you, like me, are looking at some challenging situations right now and going, if Jesus would only please return now. We don't have to look very deep into the headlines, even in our local state government, to find that there are atrocities and expressions of sin and decisions made by individuals with a seared conscience to, to say that they can demand the, um, what happens to a newborn life. Those are difficult times. These are difficult times. And in many ways, maybe like me, you say, come Lord Jesus. But the good news is, waiting well has a future dimension. And that is we have hope in Christ. The word here that Paul uses in verse 3, the steadfastness of hope, hupomone, this is the idea of bearing up under pressure, bearing up under a strong weight. Jesus Christ has actually borne that load for us. And he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you strength. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We have this hope, gentlemen, because we have a Savior who is coming. And that is the great hope that the Thessalonians looked towards, as we should too, but it was taking longer than they expected. And it was delayed longer than anticipated. But the Scriptures do tell us very clearly that Jesus Christ will return from heaven. As we read in Acts chapter 1, verse 11... Just after Jesus ascends to go to be with the Father in heaven, some angels appear to the disciples and they say, men of Galilee, which could be translated, I had a missions professor, he said it could be translated, you hicks. Essentially, men from Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And this was the message that as the Apostle Paul came to understand who Jesus was and the true message of the Gospel, that it's not just that Jesus died because a dead Savior is no Savior at all, but that Jesus was raised from the dead to new life. But that's not even the end of the story, that Jesus is coming back again to earth. And he instilled this in the Thessalonians, that this is a great hope that we get to look forward to. But it had not happened yet. We have a quote here from F.F. F. Bruce, who is a New Testament scholar, Christ is at present exalted with God. It is from the presence of God that he will be revealed in glory. To wait for him has ethical implications. Those who wait are bound to live holy lives as to be ready to meet him. Guys, I know. Are you ready? Am I ready? Life is hard. Life is really hard. For the Thessalonians, they received the gospel with much conviction but also with much affliction, these scriptures tell us. And the question is, how will they respond? How would they respond? And finally, how will we respond as we wait? Because we really do have hope. One day, Jesus is coming. 
There's a book that I uh, have read going back now about um, almost six, almost seven years ago. It's called The Land Between by an author named Jeff Mannion. And at a certain point in my life in about 2012, this book really, through the Bible and then this book, uh, I was really encouraged because I was in a a time of waiting, a time of struggle. And I read this book, I heard this this author speak and I read the book and uh, he really talked about how just like the Israelites were between Egypt and the Promised Land, what would that wilderness experience do? How would they respond? Would they be bitter, which they were, or would they allow it to be, make them better? So we too are between this slavery to sin, which we've been freed from in Christ, and now this promised land of heaven one day. As we navigate through our own wilderness, how will we respond? Because life is hard. And so Jeff Mannion writes in his book this quote, Will we endure this trial and still possess a faith that is alive and well? Will we pass through this vast disappointment and still cling to the belief that God is good, that God is wise, that God is loving? Will we trust God or will our faith in a good, wise, and loving God evaporate as our patience grows thin and our spirits tire? Guys, waiting well has three time frames. Past which is our faith in Christ. Present, which is our love for Christ. And future, which is our hope in Christ. And what we see is that waiting well ultimately begins and ends with Jesus Christ. This is a reality that the Thessalonians knew. And they knew that they desired to be faithful. I pray that that is the same for you and for me. These three attributes characterize the Thessalonians and they should characterize us as well. Two final quotations. One from Gunther Bornkum. Again, what a great name. Baby name, 2019. You want Gunther. He writes, The triad of faith, hope, and love is the quintessence of the God-given life in Christ. And then a final quotation from J. Vernon McGee, the one-time mentor of our late pastor emeritus Dick Woodward. What a wonderful trinity of Christian graces It should be the biography of every believer. It was the biography of the church in Thessalonica. And I hope it is the biography of your church too. I'd like for you all to take just a few moments around your tables. I'll come back up about 8 o'clock and close us in prayer. But just ask these questions. Do you have faith in Christ? Do you love Christ by modeling Him to others through your life and then Do you hope in the return of Christ? Or do you hope in someone or something else? Take just a few minutes around your tables to discuss. And then at 8 o'clock, I'll close us in prayer and we'll be dismissed. Father in heaven, we uh, take some time now, God, and just say we thank you. We thank you that we have your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that Because of Jesus Christ, we can wait well. It starts and it ends with him. And we desire past, present, and future to have faith in Christ, to have a love for Christ, and to have a steadfastness hope in Jesus Christ. Please, as we navigate through the rest of this day, the rest of this week, may we be men who live on purpose and exhibit Christ to those around us. May that trumpet blast be evident in our lives and from our lips. 
We pray in Christ's name. Amen.